Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. In this special episode of Sustainability Leaders, BMO Capital Markets CEO Dan Barkley interviews Canadian venture capitalist John Ruffalo, founder and managing director of Mavericks Private Equity, about his remarkable recovery from an accident that left him unable to walk. John and Dan discuss the importance of sustainable access to healthcare and why philanthropy is key to funding innovation and research in the healthcare sector. They will also discuss why John feels he owes his recovery to the support of family and friends and the professionals and services of Toronto's University Health Network Rehabilitation Institute. Welcome to a special podcast supporting Toronto Rehab at University Health Network in Toronto, a world leading in helping patients recover and overcome the effects of injury, illness, and aging. Joining me today is John Ruffalo. John is a man of strength and fortitude in the financial industry and may be known to many of our listeners as the founders of Omer Ventures, which under his leadership invested in over 40 disruptive technology companies across North America. Today, he's the founder and managing partner of Mavericks Private Equity, a firm focused on technology-enabled growth and disruption investment strategies launched just over a year ago. It's great to have you here, John. And although you and I could have a robust conversation about capital markets and Canadian innovation, I think there's a really interesting story on how Mavericks came to be, and perhaps you could share your personal story of recovery and rehab. Sounds good, Dan. So, Dan, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I, I will just kind of refresh a little bit on on what had happened and a little story of uh, the uh, the recovery. So, approximately uh, 18 months ago, in September of 2020, uh, while I was uh, doing my regular COVID cycling uh, on my own. I was uh, run over from behind by a uh, tractor trailer uh, while uh, cycling. And I I suffered some pretty catastrophic injuries, uh, including but not limited to uh, my T12 vertebrae was basically pulverized into dust. And following the impact of the hit by the vehicle, at about 80 kilometers an hour, uh, the landing on the pavement about 20 or 30 feet away uh, gave me another impact and uh, broke many bones on the right side of my body, but in particular, all of my ribs in multiple places uh, damaged uh, most of my organs, but you know, most uh, and, and uh, shattered my pelvis in six pieces. And uh, most critically, uh, I was uh, bleeding internally uh, to the point where I lost about 50% of of my blood. So uh, in the words of of the uh, doctor who had presided over in emergency when uh, a friend of mine had asked, the response in terms of my prognosis at the time was, I I will pass away 
in the first 48 hours. And he suggested that I had about a million to one chance of, of getting through it. And I did. And, but about six days later, I really woke up to the prospect of uh, being told that I, I would never uh, walk again. And this is where really the the recovery process started for me. It included approximately two months in hospital, including at uh, Toronto Western, where my neurosurgeon, who still takes care of me today, uh, Dr. Michael Failings, took care of actually a decompression of my spinal cord. This was following my original surgery that was done at uh, at Sunnybrook, where I was rushed there from a trauma perspective. And then after the two months of my hospital stay, I commenced a rehab recovery at uh, Toronto uh, Rehab at Lyndhurst uh, for approximately another two months. So in total, I stayed uh, in hospital for a four-month period of time. Wow. And John, uh, I hope it's not too sensitive a question, but take me through a little bit of the, the mental process you went through. Obviously, you came to a place where your grit and determination came to the service to push through. But as you went through that dynamic, uh, working with your neurosurgeon, working with yourself, I'm sure your family, you know, take us through some of those thoughts about where you were at and, and how you had perspective. Yeah, you know, this is the... Um the the difficult aspect of it, I I would say that you know, ninety percent of your recovery is actually uh, mental, with the remaining ten percent the physical aspects of it. it. It's the physical one that you know we we really don't have any control over really, and uh, especially with the type of injury that I've had, no one really knows what the prognosis might be especially you know if it's a spinal cord injury like i had so the only thing that's really within your control is the mental aspect and how are you going to react to it of course it was shocking it was sad but really you have to make a decision and you know there's there's really two doors and what i discovered you know there is the easier door to walk through, which is the 90% door, and it's not a good door. It's one that uh, can very quickly uh, bring you to depression, uh, if not ultimate suicide. And it, it's, it really focuses your mind on what you've lost. And, and right next to that door is the other door that focuses in on what you currently have and tries to focus your mind on trying to improve your situation. And I would say that those doors are right next to each other and it is very easy to slip into that wrong door. And, you know, the moment I was told that I would never walk again, you know, my initial response, although I didn't say it in front of the doctor, you know, who was kind enough to do everything they could for me. But I, I, once the doctor had left, I basically said, you know, 
honestly, F you, no one is telling me that I'm not going to walk again. And I really immediately set my mind to, I'm going to get better. And to this day, that same mindset still is with me 18 months later as I continue to do physio anywhere from 20 to 30 hours a week, every single week. Wow. Well, uh, I've always known you to have a mental fortitude and uh, that's an extraordinary story. Did you ever feel like you were going to go back to that other door, John, or does it really from the day you decided you just had that vision that you will get better or better than you were at the moment? You know, you, you do have moments and I'll tell you that, uh, there was a couple of times that I remember in hospital that you have those moments and it's really built around hope. There were a couple of times when I was hot, when I was in hospital that hope was taken away from me. And when you don't have hope, that's when I believe you go through the wrong door and I do believe that having hope that you will get better all the time. You know, for me now, it's measured in you know micro uh, benefits at this point, but I still have that hope. And any time that you get those negative thoughts uh, in your mind, you know what I do. I I do think about my family. And I do think about, you know, what, you know, how uh, my family would be if if I weren't around. And it kind of quickly sets you loose and, and it gets you back in, into the right place. But, you know, making sure that anyone who goes through such a traumatic accident needs to be surrounded by folks who are positive who reinforce the hope and are there along for the ride. And, you know, one, one thing that, you know, for me, which was a little interesting was aside from the great support from my wife and, and, and children and, and immediate family, you know, I am part of a cycling team called Les Domestiques. And when I was hit, it was like all of my team members were hit. And they all rallied around me to help me get that hope. So just like it takes a village to raise a child, it does take a village to help someone recover with such a catastrophic accident. That, there is there's so much insight in there to unpack, John. We're on the podcast to talk about Toronto Rehab and, uh, and how they assisted you as you came out of hospital and moved into the rehabilitation process, and I don't mean to, to minimize that transition alone, which I suspect was, was powerful. Take us a little bit through the rehab journey and where you got help, how you got quality help. I'm sure you had some setbacks. I'm sure you had some you know, great movements forward, but take us through that and your, uh, your experience with Toronto Rehab. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I entered uh, Toronto Rehab, I mean, my, my body was still very broken, and I was quite brittle. Uh, uh, no, I, I still wasn't even in a wheelchair really much uh, other than, you know, being uh, moved around in harnesses 
because it was just very difficult for me to transfer myself from, say, a bed in, into a wheelchair. And, you know, and, and, and you're still trying to understand what you can and cannot do. You know, the people at uh, Toronto Rehab were quite remarkable. I, I'd say there were two groups of people where, you know, I really, really helped me on my journey. The first group were the remarkable nurses, uh, in particular at Toronto Rehab, who really understood what I was going through and were really trying to help me uh, uh, become independent and doing very, very little things. But but every, I didn't realize at the time the things that they were doing were all designed for me to get back you know, to at least my new normal. And because they've seen this so much in spinal cord injuries, you know, are extremely specialized injuries that the broader hospital industry really doesn't appreciate all of the issues that are associated with spinal cord injuries. But yet these nurses did, and I found it quite remarkable. That was kind of number one. And then number two, it was at uh, Toronto Rehab where I commenced my physio uh, journey. And again, I was quite uh, still brittle and recovering. But, you know, the first things that they started to do was getting me on my journey on how to start uh, moving and and starting to transfer from a bed into the wheelchair, starting to get me to stand up. All the things that that I thought were either too painful or impossible to do were really getting me to that beginning of that recovery. And furthermore, some of the things that I thought was uh, very interesting is that at, at Toronto Rehab is a, is a lot of research and, and development of ideas, technologies that can help spinal cord victims. And uh, it's led by a remarkable doctor there, uh, Kathy Cravens. And with her showing me the art of the possible, and you know, given my technology background, also seeing, you know, what these technologies might do for me, perhaps today or sometime in the future, once again uh, gave me hope. So, John, I suspect with your innovation background, uh, your deep love of research, uh, obviously you're familiar with the Kite Research Group uh, at UHN, which is really focused on. Uh, innovation and rehab, new tools, technology treatments. Uh, how did that come to life for you? I, I presume that there were things that they tried to innovate with you uh, and try new things. And I'm sure there were things they tried that didn't work. And then they tried new things that did work. Uh, help us through that journey a little bit of the, around the innovation and their ability to you know, create custom response for you. So there, there was really two pieces to this. So there was the rehab piece and it was really Toronto Rehab that really helped me understand what were all the available technologies that were going to support me, you know, today and, and into the future and introduced me to this world of rehab type equipment that I just never heard of before. And so making that transition was made very, very easy uh, by them. 
you know, once I left rehab and then continued my journey and and trying to look at technologies that could help me potentially post rehab, this is where UHN has been very v- valuable to me, in particular uh, Toronto Western and looking at some of their technologies trying to help my life uh, become easier. And I would say the ultimate technologies that they've introduced me to is the latest stem cells and trying to understand where those type technologies might be and and how they might apply to me, perhaps not uh, today, uh, but sometime in the future. And so I do get a lot of my latest information from them directly. And, you know, the, one of the, the big things that I do appreciate greatly is despite the fact that uh, Toronto Western, you know, was intended to really focus in on my acute care, I feel like I am a continuing patient. I was literally, I was just there today, this morning. And uh, again, one of the comments that I do hear from other spinal cord victims is, once you complete your acute care, you're basically gone. Your relationship with the hospital is gone. And 18 months later, mine is still alive and well. Yeah, I think that to me, John, is the, the story of rehab and the story of the you know, University Health Network coming together uh, to look at that. It's a you know, combination, I'm sure, of your own advocacy, of the care you're receiving, uh, and the way that they reorganize themselves in terms of making sure they put the patient at the center as opposed to the acute care at the center. Yes. And uh, I think that's uh, that's a win. My understanding is you had a major milestone recently that you celebrate. I'm not going to preempt that, but I will leave it for you to communicate that major milestone. Uh, well, I'm not exactly sure which milestone you're referring to, but I, no. <laughs> I, I, if you're referring I'm, to I'm the relating site. it to the... Yeah. A psychic milestone? Yes. Well, I've had a few and it continues uh, because the goalposts continue to move. So inexplicably, uh, even though I cannot walk, although I do walk in a walker uh, today, I can walk, I'd say about 100 feet or so uh, in a walker. And I'm currently practicing with two walking poles. And I hope at some point in the near future, I'll finally be able to get out of my wheelchair and walk with the support of, of, of the two walking poles. But inexplicably, my cycling didn't stop. And my spinal cord somehow remembered all of the uh, cycling that I had done. And um, I do uh, cycle on my Peloton indoors and I have a recumbent bike that I use uh, outdoors. Outdoors, uh, I have ridden outside of the city of Toronto, uh, more so in my uh, place up north in the the Blue Mountain Collingwood area. And I will uh, get on my bike onto the trails and uh, I've ridden uh, 25 kilometers back and forth from uh, between my place and uh, a small town nearby to go back to my local coffee shop. On my Peloton, I try to ride it two or three times a week, and I have cracked the uh, 20 kilometers per hour mark 
both at a 30 minute and a 60 minute length. And I didn't think that was possible. And now I am uh, gunning to get up to 25 kilometers per hour pedaling. And, uh, you know, I certainly won't be back at the levels that I was at before, but I'm sort of approaching the middle of the pack of riders. Right now, I'm probably about in the 85th percentile of riders on Peloton and, uh, you know, five more kilometers per hour and I should get into that 50th percentile. So I didn't imagine I'd get there. So, uh, if, if that's what you're referring to, yes, uh, I, I have hit that, but to me, it's only a temporary marker. I just, it, it, it's, it's just one path on the way for me to get to where I ultimately want to be. Well, uh, that is the story, John, I was trying to uh, tease out of you, uh, mm-hmm. which is around, uh, you know, the grit and determination uh, and being told early on that it would never happen. Uh, and uh, I think you used uh, uh, an F with an asterisk to say that that is not how you saw your future <laughs> and uh, your grit and determination took you there. Um, let's transition just uh, just briefly. Obviously, uh, the type of care you received is not free. Uh, you have been a very strong supporter and financer of innovation, innovation companies, disruptive outcomes, but you also are a a strong supporter of philanthropy. Anything change uh, through this process for you as you think about uh, philanthropy and support uh, for the the hospital systems around us? Um, Well, I've always been a big supporter of, uh, of the hospital systems and uh, it really in two ways, and and, and now it, I, I've refined it a little bit. You know, historically, and 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 very much through uh, our lay domestic cycling group, fundraising for hospitals is a very big part of, uh, of what we've done historically, and what we've continued to do. And and uh, and uh, I'm a big believer in allocating my personal philanthropic dollars to uh, to hospitals uh, particularly in in the in the GTA but also historically I've spent a lot of time with the hospitals around their innovation strategy and and very specifically the commercialization of the intellectual property that they've been creating in the hospitals so that it can actually a be used by the general public and b it could generate dollars back uh, to the hospital system. What I've discovered, you know, post my injury is, you know, my philanthropic dollars are even becoming more focused around rehab, the acute care uh, that is provided in the hospitals. One of the things that that I do benefit from is I do get very good private care, uh, but it's very, very expensive. And you know, I'm fine from that perspective, but a lot of folks don't have access to the private care. And so it is important that that we do devote uh, the public dollars to these philanthropic uh, endeavors. The one thing that actually has changed for me is, you know, in my private angel investing, you know, I, I am a uh, an investor in many technology companies but I have been investing in technologies focused around disabilities and and folks like me 
so that we could get these technologies out uh, to the greater masses. Yeah, I think that's uh, a, a great philosophy. As I think, as you know, John, we were we're supporting the ride for rally at BMO uh, and have for a number of years uh, cumulatively donated eleven million dollars to uh, the rehab hospital over over years. And I uh, personally got a chance to ride the hundred Ks. And I, nice. I'm with you. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not breaking down records these days. <laughs> 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 uh, but I am focused on, you know, my own personal health and how to do that. Uh, I mean, we're proud supporters of this, uh, the rally. We're proud supporters of the hospital. Uh, they're doing great work. And, you know, the philosophy we have is this, this form of care, uh, which is ongoing. And I think hospitals are very good at acute care in a general word. But you think about the impact, whether it's on the mental health side, whether it's on the rehab side, uh, there's lots of places where our, our healthcare system is not necessarily focused where it should be. I'm just outstandingly proud to hear of the treatment that you got. That's uh, a great job uh, in terms of rehabilitation uh, access you got and the way we got to. Uh, your grit and determination are outstanding. Uh, I very much appreciate you spending your personal time uh, telling your story uh, so that we can help the hospital deliver even more and better care uh, as they go forward. So John, let me say thank you on behalf of everyone listening uh, for you on that story, uh, let me offer my personal congratulations on uh, how far you've come. And uh, I look forward to hearing the stories uh, through your grit and determination about how far you're going to go. So, uh, so thank you. Thank you very much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. This is not intended to serve as a complete analysis of every material fact regarding any company, industry, strategy, or security. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such statements as actual results could vary. This presentation is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not intended as an endorsement of any specific investment product or service. Individual investors should consult with an investment, tax, and or legal professional about their personal situation. Past performance is not indicative of future results.